Hello, and welcome to Stuff Mom I Forgot to Tell You. I'm Monica Francois Marcel, a Gen X founder, entrepreneur, and baseball mom based in Chicago. And I believe that if we're very lucky and work very hard, life will be long and it will be messy. So to help us with the mess and provide tips for longevity and joy in what lies ahead, each episode, I'm borrowing either the mother of a friend or a trusted mentor that I greatly admire. This is a diverse group of women who've been there and done that, and you are going to love their stories. My own mom isn't here anymore, so the stuff these women share is precious to me, and their cross-generational pearls of wisdom are just what we all need. I'm so excited for you to join us, so let's jump in. Hello, Polly Frank, and uh, welcome to my passion project on Stuff Mom I Forgot to Tell You. This is going to be one of my favorite personal episodes. I say that for all of them, but I really mean it this time because we have Polly here and we have this opportunity to interview basically the woman that I've known for a very long time who is the mom of my best friend. And she's responsible for all the great things, I think. <laughs> Not all of them. Some of them will say are just her being her, right? But certainly, um, you know, this woman that I love that's so central to my life, my best friend in the world, is, you know, in many ways a product of you. So thank you for letting me borrow you for this episode. Hi. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking with you. Oh, I am too. I am too. And so my first question is a is kind of an easy one, right? Well, it's not easy. It's it's a warm-up, shall we say. But I'd like you to reflect back on your early years, Polly. And so, you know, when you were growing up and you think about your mom and you think about kind of maybe what she wanted for you or what you thought your life was gonna be like or kind of what messages you got, you know, what what comes to mind? You know, what do you think your mom wanted for you in your life when you were a little girl? Well, my mom was always a lot of fun. Um, she wasn't afraid to to be silly, and and uh, we enjoyed her. I was the fourth of five children, so um, I had my own special, unique place in the in the hierarchy, I guess you could say, which wasn't very high. <laughs> but one thing that she did instill in all of us was a, her love of babies and children, and so all of us grew up wanting to have children because that was the normal natural thing to do because she had taught us and she was a very um, loving mother. She, she was the one that gave us comfort, but my dad was, was not. So she was a good contrast to him. When I was younger, I thought they had a really happy marriage, but I found out later that there was a lot of secrets. There were always secrets that we were not told. And I don't know if we were not told because of our age or just because of that generation, they didn't share everything. And sometimes the things that were said were not true. <laughs> so I didn't realize that until I was much older, but um, they did stay married for 67 years. So <laughs> they must've been okay together. But I always thought they were the epitome of a happy marriage as a child, but I was naive and, and, uh, she was a little bit overprotective, so there was a lot that I wish I had known before I ventured out into the world, but I had a good childhood. I thought it was... You had a good childhood. 
Yeah, well, I've heard a lot about your childhood. I know there's a lot of singing and and, and French and different languages and things, even as a, as a kid. By the way, Polly, I'm also fourth of five. I don't know if you knew that. I think that says a lot about both of us. We can have a separate conversation <laughs> just on uh, birth order and stuff. Yeah, I used to, I actually looked up birth order. I tried to find out about the fourth one. Very little information. Very little. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't a lot of studies on the, on the fourth. They've got the middle child, the firstborn, yeah. the secondborn, yeah. and the baby and all that yeah. stuff. And didn't fit any. Didn't any really fit any. Didn't fit no. same, we probably yeah. found the same research or lack thereof. Hey, let me, let me follow <laughs> up on, um, you were saying, you know, when you think about your mom, what do you think she wanted for you? Did she ever talk to you about, like, what she wanted you to do in the world or what options were in front of you? Did she ever kind of give you any, um, I don't know, early direction or guidance in that, in that way? I would say not really. Cause I didn't get, being the fourth one, I didn't get a lot of attention. There were expectations that I would be, you know, the, get good grades in school and stuff like that. But I can't remember her saying this. Now my grandmother said, mm. she predicted that I would be a college president. Interesting. <laughs> Wow. But that never happened. <laughs> ah, but you've done a lot of stuff that's comparable. Well, I had some interesting, you know, careers in my life, but I certainly not that. <laughs> that wasn't part of it. But. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So when we look back on your life so far, and I say so far because I know you've got a lot of years ahead of you. We're counting on you. What are some of the things that you're most proud of? Now, I know you might say, Stacy. And we're all proud of her, but leaving her aside for a second, right? And kind of digging deep into your, what you've done, what you've been through. Um, you can put them in different categories if you want, but when you reflect, right, what are some of the things that really make you proud of what you've been able to uh, live? Well, actually, I, as I mentioned earlier, the latter part of my life has been more satisfying to me than my early years. Okay. The thing that I'm most proud of is that I published a book. Yes. I wanted to write my whole life. I didn't do it until I was retired. So retirement meant a lot to me. Almost the exact same time that I retired, we moved to New Bern. So my entire life, it's been 10 years now, has been in New Bern. And I'm, I've been very happy, except, of course, for losing Jerry. That was hard. Right. I published the book before that. It was a compilation of um, really a lifetime of wanting to say things and never having that chance. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I'm most proud of. But my life has been affected, well, from my earliest years of my first marriage. When, when I lost my husband, I was only 24. 24. Wow. I turned 25 a couple months after he died. Wow. Stacy was 16 months old. Unbelievable. So that had a major bearing on my life. Of course. And trying to figure out a career with a young, very young child to raise was was hard. And I kind of applied for some like editorial assistant type jobs. Okay. <laughs> Not satisfactory at all. Didn't get hired. So for years, when she was young, I did some writing, which stayed in the drawer. And I did. I took a lot of temporary jobs. And um, did a lot of volunteer work in, in different areas, which which that was fulfilling. I enjoyed doing all that. I was I was involved in five different agencies at one point when she was in grade school, so I enjoyed that a lot. As far as career wise, I don't ever feel 
I don't feel like I was ever able to do what I'm capable of. So that was difficult. Can I pause you there? Why do you think you weren't able to do that? Is it because of the, I don't want to assume. So tell me more. Tell me more about, that's a powerful statement. Maybe to unpack that. Well, let's see. I was, I worked in nonprofits. Right. And I was an executive director of a, a small agency and I got fired because <laughs> I, I was an uppity female. <laughs> you were an uppity female. <laughs> okay. It's true because nobody would say that, mm-hmm. but the board did not, did not, what shall I say, support me yep. in what I was trying to do with the agency. And, and when I lost that job, I did not feel bad. You did I not feel I'd bad. Done, Interesting. No, I know I'd done the best I could, but at that point, it's still painful to be fired. So I determined that I was not going to work for anybody else. I was going to. So then that was when I opened my business, which was so so similar to yours. Only I never, I never wanted to spend any money in it. So I never hired anybody except one time when I got a big contract, I hired an office person. I ran it for like nine years or something. I never made a lot of money, but I enjoyed being you know, I'm being in charge and having my own business. I did like that, Mm -hmm. uh, that part of it. And I enjoyed interviewing trainers, you know, who could go out and do things. And I come from a nonprofit background. My dad was in boys club work and my heart was not in making money. You know, I figured that out. So that really didn't fit me, although it filled a void in my life at that time. So I did that up until I was, I guess, in my 50s and ended up having to go back to work. Jerry retired and I had to help pay the mortgage. So my very last job was required a high school diploma. I worked in medical records in a hospital. So because we moved out to the country and jobs were far away, any good ones. And I did apply for other jobs, didn't succeed. So I took what I could find, which was in a hospital, which was still 27 miles away because, you know, we lived in the country and I was worked for 14 years. And finally, I, I told him, you know, we, we, we got more to a life than, than this house, even though it was our dream house. You know? I mean, I knew a lot of this, but especially because, you know, so I'm, you know, how old I am, but so I'm 53. And so there's some parallels here in terms of just different periods of your life. And I am trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to do next. I was going to ask you, so if you think about some of the um, the pivots, right? So like big things that happened that kind of made you turn a different way. If we fast forward to when you uh, chose to retire, right? What was kind of going on? How did you know that that was the right time? Did it turn out the way you expected it to? What was that transition plan like? Like how long did you think about it? Just talk to me a little bit about what that whole period is for you. Well, my last job, as I said, I wasn't challenged very much. I was full-time for four years and then I moved half-time, part-time. And since it was not a challenging position, I spent most of my time waiting to get out. (laughs) That's kind of the way it was. And On the home front, I was trying to convince Jerry that we needed to move to North Carolina because Stacy was there and and she was having a baby and I wanted to be there and he wasn't ready. And the timing was very interesting because he did get lymphoma in, um, I think it was 2005. And at that point I said, 
he loves his doctor. You know, we're committed. We'll stay here as long as necessary. But then he went into remission and um, he was feeling great. So I was really bugging him then about moving. But he, his best friend had a severe heart problem, heart damage, and had had a heart attack right practically in front of Jerry. So in 2011, his friend John died. He had a he had the heart attack everybody was waiting for, and he finally died. And we moved in 2012, so it was like you know that's what he needed to be able to say, "I can move to a new place." And he had already been retired himself for over 10 years, but I was still working. And then I it was another one of my little ploys. <laughs> Now I need to work forever. You know, you're going to make me work forever before I ever get a chance to retire because I we have to pay the mortgage on this house. And that nothing really held any weight for him until his friend died. And then it was, I mean, it wasn't like an automatic thing. He said, okay, now we can move. But it was finally what was the tether that held him in Virginia was was done. Yeah, so you moved to North Carolina, and uh, tell me a little, you know, it's fascinating when you mentioned earlier, Polly, to pull a thread through, you said that you had, you know, some writing, some samples, some manuscripts, like in a drawer years ago. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've always told people that I wanted to write, and I've never had anything published or anything until I retired, and then I was uh, in a book club with a whole bunch of women. We really, we're still together. It's a really great book club. And this woman said, oh, you know, we have a little neighborhood newsletter and there's a person in there who's looking for a writer's group to join. So I found that person and her friend that were just two of them were struggling to form this group. And then there were we ended up with like six of us to form this writer's group. And actually, it was like January of 2014. I started writing a blog. And I contributed to that every single week for two years. I wrote this blog and I would write them, bring them in, they would critique them, and then I would post them. So that went on for two years. And then I got the idea, well, maybe I could put these together and get a book. So that happened in 2016. Then I got the book and it it was so gratifying. It's just an unbelievable feeling to create something and have people say, wow, this is really good. You're a writer. You can write. I was like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. So, okay, I was 67 when we moved to New Bern. And um, I actually, I guess you could say I published the book uh, four years later. So I'm in 71 when I published 71. It. Wow. Yeah. yeah and I waited all my people? life for that. All your life, can I ask you, how long in total did it take you to uh, write it for when you started, like, intentionally? Well, it was just the two years of blogs. That's what it was, 82 blogs. And we went to these conferences and all writers' conferences, and this woman showed up from a publishing house. I interviewed with her, and they were a hybrid publisher, which meant that they did some of it, like they would do the layout in the book, and they would do – certain parts of it. And then I would do certain parts of it. And so we ended up with the book and they did a wonderful job. It was just so gratifying to me. So fulfilling, you know, this was what I've been waiting for. I have had 
a lot of different kind of jobs, but I never had anything that fed me like that. that it was being my true self that I had never been able to be in my whole life. So, so that's why I say my later years have been happier than my earlier years. Well, let's talk about these later years. I was going to say, so uh, you got the book. Again, we know that you got tons of years ahead of you. So what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to? And then I'm going to have you follow that up by telling me a little bit about like, what are the things that you are doing now? But before we get to the now, I want you to look forward ahead, right? So what are, what are some plans you have, Holly? What are some things that you're looking forward to that kind of give you energy? In my personal life, probably thinking about Mike and Stacy's move to the beach is going to be, I will probably end up moving there also. Um, right now, I am, I figured, I, 111 miles away and two hours and 10 minutes, which doesn't <laughs> seem like that much, but it's not something that we've done that much. And so we right. haven't seen each other as much as I would like. And right. she, I think she feels the same way, that she wants me around. So as long as she wants me around, I'm going to be around. <laughs> So can I say for the record, I asked you what you're most looking forward to, and your answer was living right next to your daughter. Well, what I heard in the same town. <laughs> Which I think is great. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> yes, as far as actually looking forward, I would say, I would say that. Yeah, I would also say I have been very lonely since Jerry died, and it hit, of course, right at COVID. When COVID hit, yep. Jerry died. So yep. I've been very lonely for almost two and a half years. And I am interested in some male companionship. Now it doesn't have to be somebody that lives with me, but I would really like to have someone else in my life. Are you dating? Are you like, in, are you interested in dating and all of that? I, I would be, I have, okay. it's funny. I have a friend in church who's a matchmaker. Well, he's made himself a matchmaker and he matched me up with this guy. Totally wrong. I mean, wrong for you. Okay. Everything was wrong. <laughs> he's a nice guy, but he's not anybody. I. Well, you had two pretty great men along the way. You've had well, two I did. Really great and, and that so you're harder. kind of spoiled, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're kind of spoiled. So you need something great. Well, I, I'm excited. So I'm excited for you to uh, do some dating and to get some male companionship. Yeah. But I talk to a lot of women who just say, oh, no, that's it. I'm done. You know. Well, that's what I was going to mention is that I have talked to, you know, I've been doing a lot of these interviews and um, a few people, you know, still have their partner with them and a few don't. And you're the first one that doesn't that mention that you're interested. So I love that. I love that. <laughs> it may you. never come to anything, you know, I may never yeah, meet you're open. Way. But you're I have open. to talk to my matchmaker and tell him he can do better. <laughs> we need a new matchmaker or we need to get you a new one. That's the other option. <laughs> maybe right? that's maybe. So tell me a little bit about like your day to day. What are some of the things? So now I'm getting into the fact that, you know, um, and, and I can anticipate some of what you're going to say, but I want it for the record. Right. So, you okay. know, I'm 53. I'm trying to think about how to set myself up and all the other, you know, women that I know that I love that are out there for like the next, you know, 30, 40. This morning I was thinking, ah, oh, 45 years would be another good number. Today, right? <laughs> um, I just landed on that number for myself. So uh, what are some of the things that you've done? to make yourself so, you know, vibrant, you know, longevity? And are there some things maybe that you didn't do that in retrospect, you would have kind of anchored into your life to make sure there's room for them? Pretend like I don't know some of the things that you do with your days. What, what would you do? What would you recommend? 
when we moved to New Bern, I discovered the Y. And the YMCA? Okay. Yes, yes. And both of us were really active at the Y. And um, I eventually settled on some classes that I'd love to go to. So I go five days a week to the Y. Five days a week? Five days a week. I take an aerobics class. That's two days. And I do a chair okay. yoga class, which is, you know, you think, oh, it's chair yoga. Okay. But it really is. It's wonderful. I do that two days. And then I do a, a class that's called Cardio Core with Weights. So we have weights. Okay. We have light weights and we do some cardio also. So that keeps me busy every morning. I'm out every morning at the Y. And uh, then my writer's group, we continue to meet. We used to meet every week when I before I wrote the book or while I was writing the book. But now... We're showing some cracks around the edges, and I'm observing, and I'm not sure. We we have difficulty settling on dates and stuff right now, maybe just because it's summer right now, but um, I'm just feeling some maybe pulling away. We have lost a couple members. One moved to Maine. She was wonderful, and then another one just decided that she didn't. It wasn't a good fit for her. So we're down to four okay. people. That's my writer's group is four and it's way too small. We need. How many was it at its largest? Six. So, I mean, it never got yeah. real big, but we would have one got person it. leave yeah. and another person come in. Yeah. We were able to maintain that for quite a long time. So that's one afternoon in my week, but not, it's like every two weeks, pretty much every two weeks. I'm, I'm active in the church. I am the moderator of Presbyterian Women. The moderator of Presbyterian Women? Yeah. That means Presbyterian that Women is an organization of women in the church. We, we form circles and we do some charity work, but mostly we just concentrate on a Bible study every year. Uh, we have a new Bible study that we do. And so the coordinating team is in charge of, well, you know, have to do a lot of reporting. So we do that, but mostly we keep track of our circles. We keep track of our women who needs what, you know, how can we help them if they need something? How can we grow? How can we attract more women? More or less that's, that's that. So that, that group only, it meets, well, the circles meet once a month and then the coordinating team meets once a month. So I have meetings like that, you know, that I fit into my schedule and I've found my church to be very rewarding and fulfilling. I love a lot of people in my church. <laughs> so uh, can I ask you, when you think about, I'm going to kind of just kind of unpack a, a couple questions pretty quickly with you. What would you say are some of your favorite things to do when you're by yourself or for yourself, right? So other than working out and going to the Y and all that stuff, or maybe that is your favorite thing. I, I read. I read. Reading. Okay. Yeah. Reading. Every writer reads. Any special kinds of book? Mostly fiction, you know. I'm not fussy. Okay. I like mysteries. So mysteries. I'll read anything. I always have to have a book. My mom used to read mysteries and they were always murder mysteries. And we used to always joke that if my father ever ended up dead, we would know, <laughs> um, you know, just got to read her latest novel because she was in search forever of the one to uh, apparently use to, to, to plot his demise. Yeah. She would devour the regular basis. Yeah. So final couple questions. What, other advice, you know, uh, do you have? Like, what are some things that 
if you think about people my age that we should do better or that I should do better or that anyone of our generation, like, you know, if we just think about, again, to set ourselves up, any, any tips for us in general, not Stacy specifically yet, but just anything for women in their 50s? But I mean, just to continue the conversation, if you put yourself in a place where you can, can find joy for your life, know what makes you happy, know what you need to do. And you know that already by the time you're 53. You right. know what makes you joyful. You know what makes you happy. So I would say for anybody, and especially, you know, if you haven't been able to do it for some reason or other, and you always knew you wanted to do X, Y, Z, give it a shot. You know, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> I love it. Next question. Do you have a favorite couple memories? Like when you think on, on your life, um, we, we talked about things you're most proud of, but are there just certain things that bring a smile to your face? I, I say this because uh, we're big Harry Potter fans in this house. I'm not sure if you ever read Harry Potter, but there's um, a moment when Harry is invited to think of his greatest, like happiest memory, right? Yeah. And I always try to challenge myself. I'm, I'm curious, what, what are your happiest memories? I think they all revolve around family. Because there's, I have a lot of relatives like my brother in Ottawa that I don't get to see very often. But when this summer came about, because my brother Dave lost his wife Gail, within a week he was looking for a B and B, or we ended up with an Airbnb in Ottawa, because he needed his family, and we could. I mean, even if you're not related, you can be family to each other because. That is a bond that it almost made me cry when he called me. He'd never been a good communicator, but it said, I want to do this. And I said, go for it. I am on board. Whatever you do, I'm be, I will be there, even though it's really a hassle to get into Canada. It was a hassle to get into Canada, oh. but, you know, but worth it, right? Oh, but absolutely worth it. worth it. And it was more for Pete than anybody else, you know, it was, yeah. And he kept saying, but I, think what, I am so yeah. grateful. And I'm, he was just, yeah. And then here's my final question for you, Polly. So and if you think about your own daughter, you know, your amazing, fabulous daughter, just thinking about her makes me happy and sad all at the same time because she means so much to me. Um, I think you and I probably and her fabulous husband are three people that, you know, just get to appreciate her. Anything, I know you two talk a lot, but is there anything that you haven't said to her? that you kind of you forgot to tell her that maybe based on this conversation, like it prompted you, or if you say everything, that's okay. Anything you want to reinforce? Well, I have had to learn to be more, what's the word, accepting of her the way she is. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh because uh, tell me more about that. Well, because I, She's very sensitive to what I say. So if I say something that's true, that's a little bit critical, she will really feel that. So my job is to just love her and accept her the way she is. And uh, I'm working on that. But advice for her, I think just to know what, kind of like what we were saying before, what, know what's important to her and what will, mm -hmm. what will bring her joy and to, to pursue that. 
That's lovely. So I laughed, but now I understand it in a new way. At first I was like, because she's so hard to accept, which of course she's not. That's why I laughed, right? But now I see what you're getting at. She's a complex person like all of us. She is complex. Of course, you know, um, that's why I enjoy her so much, right? But you're right. But I also know that I, she knows that anything that comes from me comes from a place of love. So I love that idea of just accepting right now for who she is. Cause of course, Stacy's amazing. Right? <laughs> um, and she's so lucky to have you <laughs> aw, and vice versa. You know, she's not, she's not getting rid of me anytime ever. So, well, this has been just a joy. I'm so grateful to you. This has been you know a, a true pleasure. And, uh, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for letting me borrow you, borrow your wisdom. I got some great details in there. You've, you've been, I wouldn't say a mentor per se, but you've been kind of a, an additional bonus mom to me in different ways, both in terms of the things that you've said directly to me and the things that I hear that you say to Stacey <laughs> that I kind of steal, yeah. right? And that I, I live through. So we're just so grateful that you're around and I appreciate you being here with me today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me.